0: We're going to start a brand new series today called "Waiting on God." Waiting on God." And there's a lot of things that can be wrapped up in that, and we'll talk about that as we go through this series. Um, but I want to start off, how many of you guys had a, th- a good Thanksgiving? Anybody have a good Thanksgiving? We had three Thanksgiving days in a row because we had, you know, uh, one on Thursday, one on Friday, one on Saturday. How many of you guys know after that you're tired of Turkey? You know you're kind of tired of people, too, but uh, that's another story. Um, but what we did at our house is we had uh, Thanksgiving dinner and we went around the table and we said, you know, things we're thankful for and all those, that stuff. And then later on in the day, we decided to put together a puzzle. And so my wife and I and my daughter, Lindsay, and a couple others decided to join in. And it was this, like a huge, it was like three foot long. We put it on the island. We started to put it together. It took us a couple hours to put together and we got the puzzle done. And, it's, and it, what it is is it's four different scenes and the, the puzzle is called change of seasons. i got a picture of it here. And this is the box, and it's called change of seasons. And, and so we put the thing together, and we got it all done, and we're like, okay, change of seasons. There's four, four seasons here. What are the four seasons? Obviously, we, we knew that was winter because there's snow. And then the rest of the three we were really confused about. So we're trying to figure out, okay, you got a boat, you got fire. Is that summer? Is that fall? What is that? And we couldn't figure it out. You got fall leaves over here on this one. But then you got fall leaves over here on this one. So we're trying to figure out change of seasons. And, And it has the artist's name who painted these like right on the puzzle, and so he owns this, okay? And so, so my son decides to go online and to look up and see if he can find this artist and see if we can find these paintings. And, and we found three of them, and they had names that corresponded with the season. So the, the ones we found, was that's obviously winter. The boat with the fire turns out it's summer. And uh, then this, one, this boat over here with the lake, it turns out it is uh, fall. And so we're looking at the last one, we can't find the picture, and yet here it is there's deer running, there's leaves falling. It it looks like fall, but it should be spring, right? There should be four seasons. So we are frustrated by this, and so my son finds the email uh, finds the, the, uh, the painter's email and emails him. And Daryl Bush responded. And he let us know very clearly that this fourth picture is actually, in fact, also fall. What is wrong with you, Daryl? This does not make sense. I'm done with Daryl, okay? This, is, this doesn't make sense. And he explained what's well, the light it's hitting this thing. What is wrong? How do you guys think there ought to be four different seasons right there? Is it just me? There ought to be four. It's called change of seasons. And so I was thinking about that coming into this message. How do you guys ever feel like that when you're looking at your life and you're like, wait a minute, I got two of the same season. This is not right. We just did this one, right? And so as I was thinking about this series, this is really what came to mind. And actually, it started out of this scripture, out of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, that many of you guys know, you've heard before. It says, but they who wait on the Lord... Wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I was thinking there's probably some people who think, wait a minute, something's wrong. I got two of the same seasons, okay? And yet this scripture, and we can, we'll talk about this as we go through the ser- series. There's a lot of waiting on God in different areas. I want to hit a specific area today. And I want to start off by reminding you about how Satan works. Because Satan loves to strike when you're tired. I guess I found this to be true. Satan loves to tempt when you're exhausted. Satan loves to cause division when you're tired. Satan loves to, to do his thing whenever we're exhausted and, and we're tired. And so what do we do? Well, many of us just decide we're just you're going to fall right into his trap. And we keep running harder. We keep running faster. We keep doing the things. We keep, there, there, there's no better example of that than this season that we currently find ourselves in. And so we fill up our lives with busyness, we fill up our lives with, with many things that are good things, that are, you know, uh, not bad things, but it, it reminds me of that thing I saw, I think I saw it on the internet, but it said, it, somebody's asking a question, do we need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? And it said, honey, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart, okay? How do you guys know that's true, right? <laughs> Especially this time of year. How many of you guys have already admit that you were in a line and you decided to line hop because that line was moving faster? You jump over to that. This is what happens to me. I jump over to this line, and then that line starts moving faster, and pretty soon it's like there's a curse of the lines for me (laughs) because we hate waiting. How many of you guys hate waiting, right? We hate waiting. We hate having two of the same season. We hate standing in line. We hate waiting waiting. And 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 so we get exhausted in the wait. We hate waiting so much. Uh, my I, I take two of my girls to work at Chick Fil A, and they we drive by the DMV every single more, every single time I take them there. How do you guys just love the DMV? God bless the DMV. <laughs> but you know what's going to happen when you get there? You're going to stand in line, right? You're going to wait in line. You're going to take a number somehow, and you're going to wait in some sort of line. And so. A few, several months ago, we were driving by one day, and I just happened to notice that there was a line in the, from the DMV all the way outside the door. I was like, my goodness, it is bad, but I didn't know it was that bad. So then we go to the next time, and sure enough, there's another line. Finally, we figured out we were coming and driving by right before it opened. And so people are standing at the door. I want you to hear me. People are standing in line so they don't have to stand in line i get it if you got to go to work how? now if you're one of these people i get it okay but i'm just saying it is every day without fail and so it's become a running joke we'll be like look at those people standing in line so they don't have to stand in line every single time because how do you guys know we hate waiting in line and so we will stand in line so we don't have to stand in line that's how bad we hate it okay but if you skip uh, 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 if you rewind the tape in isaiah chapter 40 Two verses over. It says, he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Now watch this. It says, even the youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. Then it goes on to say, but those who wait on the Lord. Okay? I want you to see what he's saying here. He's saying, even young people. Now, when you're young, you think you're invincible. When you're young, you think you can run forever. When you're young, you think that you can't, you're not going to get hurt. So you do stupid stuff. You jump off things and you ride things you shouldn't, you know. And and so he's saying even young people who think they're invincible, eventually they're going to get tired and weary. And he's, he's implying some of you are acting like young people who think you're invincible and think you can just keep running, but eventually you're going to get tired. But if you wait on the Lord, you will renew your strength. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. But it only happens after the waiting. If you try it before, you'll be like the youth and you'll run out of fuel, okay? So, so what many of us do is we feel guilty about not being busy. Has anybody done that before? Like I used to feel guilty by, about sitting on the couch for any length of time. If I sat down, I should be doing something. I should be doing something. I could be more productive with my life. And we feel guilty about doing all kinds of things. And if we're not doing what everyone else is, we wonder if we're doing enough. We wonder, you know, should we be doing something more important with our life or more important with our time? And so we fill it up with all kinds of business. I showed this clip uh, a couple years ago, but I was watching it. I stumbled on it this week, and I thought, this is so perfect, So especially for right now. So let's watch this.
1: Seasons Greetings. I love Christmas, but then who doesn't? Christmas is great. But the thing I've learned after doing my job for so many years is this, nothing so great should be easy. And that's where I come in. I'm Christmas Chaos. We've never met, but you know my work. I'm the unseen but ever-present force that stuffs your stockings full of stress and decks your halls with anxiety. your calendar full with office parties and school plays family dinners I love to stuff your mailbox full of invitations to Christmas decorating contests and I don't know gift wrapping extravaganzas sure you could just say no to all those things but then you'd be a jerk and everyone would hate you You don't think these things tangle themselves, do you? Sometimes you make my job too easy for me. Sure, you could have paid ten extra dollars to get the bike already assembled. You're too smart for that. Gonna pass up a golden opportunity when it presents itself. This is Christmas chaos reminding you that you could take a day off and relax, but then you'd be a jerk and everyone would hate you.
0: Have you guys felt like that before sometimes, right? That's the way many of us run. We run hard, we run fast. And then we have you ever hit the wall before? Like you know what I'm talking about? Where like you're just done. Okay? You you're out emotionally done, spiritually done, you're whatever. Has anybody ever been done before? Like I've been there, okay? I'm I'm serious. I have been there. Sometimes though we run into a cycle, we run in a cycle of hitting the wall. And so what I want to do is I'm going to look at a a scripture that's really talking about the end times. It's talking about the coming and the return of Christ. But it applies to what we're talking about today. And it's found in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 1. It's a parable. It's an illustration. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. They assumed they were going to be there for a little while. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and they slept. Take note of that because they all were doing the same thing. They all fell asleep, all ten of them. And it says, uh, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered and said, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And and while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with them to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. So those who went to go get oil, and, and so it's a picture But it applies much more than just the end times. I believe it applies to our lives in the day-to-day. I want you to notice that they were all doing the same thing. They were all waiting for the bridegroom. They all had carried their lamps. They all were trimming their lamps. They all fell asleep. They were all doing the same activity. You can be looking at someone next to you or your neighbor or somebody else you know, a friend, and you may be doing the same activity as them. And you say, well, my life is the same as theirs. Here's the difference. There was one difference between those five that were wise and five that were foolish. That Some of them had fuel and some of them did not. Some of them had oil and some of them did not. Some of them were ready for an opportunity and others had to go and scramble to try to get enough energy when the opportunity came. And, and here's what I know. Being filled with oil or being filled up with, with, we could say a lot of different areas, but being filled frees you to seize the right opportunities. And here's what I want you to catch. God can't use you if there's nothing in the tank. I believe that God has a mission for us. I believe that God has a purpose as to why you're here. But I want you to hear this very clearly. Our mission requires margin. Our mission requires margin. You will not fulfill God's mission for your life if you are busy 24-7. If you are, I don't care if you're doing the work of God. I don't care what, how good it is. I don't care what it is. You will not fulfill your mission. Our mission requires margin. And if, you're, if you get to the point where you've gone so fast and so far that you get to the point where you don't have fuel in the tank and God comes calling and you have to go and step aside to get oil, guess what he's going to do? He's going to move on. You see it in scripture all the time. He moves on because God's will is so important and God's work is so important. He will continue to do his work. And the question is whether you're going to be a part of it or not. And so those who were ready and had fuel in the tank were ready to, uh, to answer God's call. So, so what's the answer to this? Well, here's what I want us to catch today. You have to get fuel in the tank. You have to put oil in when you don't need it so that it will be there when you do. You have to intentionally put oil in the tank, in your tank. You have to put fuel in your tank when you don't need it, so it will be there for when you do. Now, here's what happens with most of us. Most of us get in a season where maybe things are going well, and we don't think we need oil. So we don't put oil in the tank. What we do is we say, well, my life has a lot of room, and so we fill it up with all these quote-unquote good things We fill it up with more. We fill it up with other opportunities. And instead of intentionally putting oil in when we didn't need it, we put other things in. So then the opportunity comes. We've run out of oil. And then all of a sudden we need it really bad and we don't have it. So we have to intentionally put oil in when we don't need it so that we will have it when we do. And too many of us fill it up and we have no margin. So one of the ways we do this is found in Exodus chapter 31. Verse 16 to 17, it says, Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that, and you guys remember this, at creation in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. On the seventh, catch that, on the seventh day God rested and was Refreshed. Theologically, we don't really know what to do with that except to say God modeled this and God said it. There's something to it, okay? And so we look at this and we see the answer is found in this spiritual word, this spiritual activity, this thing that we think we overlook and we think is not important. It's a spiritual word called rest. And I promise you, as you'll see by the time we're done today, this is a very spiritual activity. This is a very spiritual word. And if you don't have this in your life, you're missing out on part of God's purpose for your life. So if God decided to catch his breath, which is really what it means there, how much more do we need to catch our breath, right? And yet so many of us think, I don't need to, I don't need to rest. I can keep going. I've got too many things. I've got, God wants me to do this, this, and that. And we think, man, if I could just get to vacation, I'm going to be good, okay? How many of you guys could use a vacation right now? Anybody want a vacation? How many of you guys are the type of people, and I've seen you, I don't remember who you are, but some of you guys on your Facebook, you will put the countdown of how many days and seconds until your vacation is coming with a picture of where you're going, how you guys just own it, that's you, you guys, no one, okay, one person back there must have been who I saw on Facebook, okay? I know there's more of you guys that do that, okay? But so many of us have that internal clock on the inside of us that we're just counting down. Okay, there's 14 more weeks until vacation. And then we picture ourselves out on the beach with the, the umbrella, or we, we picture ourselves in the cabin with the fire and the snowflakes and the hot tub and all, whatever it is for you. How many of you guys have done that before? You're like, if I could just get to vacation then I'll get some rest, and I'll get refueled, and I'll get to this next season, and it's going to be great, and then, then you, you go out, and then reality hits, how many of you guys have gone on vacation, and reality hits, and you didn't get rest on vacation, let me ask it in a different way, how many of you guys have children, <laughs> reality hits, I remember when my parents, my, my dad worked construction, and, and he would get to vacation, and he would want to just relax, and I just remember him t- wanting to sit in a lawn chair by a fire, and that's it, well, my brothers and I, we were ready for an adventure, and so we would go on, we would try to, I mean, we gave them no rest. One time, Ben and Jake and I, we scaled some sort of cliff, and like 100-foot cliff off the, we started running run around in the mountains and stuff, and, and my parents didn't know where we were, and we didn't know where we were. <laughs> we found this, this bison sitting out there, and trying to figure out, we're like, what do we do with this? And so we're looking at it, and we think, well, let's take off our shirts, Let's wrap it around our heads. Let's run by this bison as fast as we can. (laughs) If I remember right, Ben and I thought that was a good idea, so we sent Jake first, and he ran by. (laughs) And uh, at one point, we ended up, we went from like a national park or something like that. We ended up in a national forest found by uh, rangers on horseback, and uh, we didn't know where we were. And how many of you guys know my parents weren't getting any rest on vacation, right? How many of you guys have been there? Like, you get back from a vacation and you need a vacation from a vacation. But so many of us are, the problem is we're looking for rest in the wrong place. And I don't just mean looking for rest like we're not looking for rest in Jesus because that is part of it. But I literally mean we're looking for rest in the wrong place. Because God never designed rest to be once or twice a year. God designed rest to be once a week. God wanted us to get into a rhythm that if you could go six days and then rest, you can go another six days real strong and then rest. Then you can go another six days and then rest. See, Sabbath was not once a week, or not once a year, Sabbath was once a week. Now, here's the weird thing. Some of you guys will remember this, but I remember being a kid, and I don't want to sound like that word. when I was a kid, you know, I don't want to sound like that guy, but when I was a kid, <laughs> I remember it was almost as if rest was built into our culture. I remember when stores weren't open on Sunday. I, I remember when, when it was just built in. You went to church you you hung out. My parents would try would take a nap. We would tr- never try, but we would we were aware they were taking because a- it was a day of rest. It was just built into our culture. Stores weren't open. Schools didn't have any activities. There was no academics there going on Sunday. There was no there was no sporting events. Some of you are watching online right now because there was a sporting event that you missed this day for. Because it used to be built into our culture that it was off limits, and so we would have a built in in our culture a day of rest. But how do you guys know that's long gone, right? So what we have now is we have a new generation. And some of us who've held over from the old generation, we've kind of just let it slip where what used to be built into our culture no longer is. And so we have a new generation that has no built-in rest to our culture. And we assumed that it was a cultural thing and not a spiritual thing. Can I tell you that the cultural thing was actually based on a spiritual thing? And if we go with culture, we, we have to decide as believers whether we're going to be followers of cultures or, or culture or fire, followers of the way of Jesus Christ. And so we have to intentionally cultivate what culture has lost. We have to go back to the word of God and say, God, how do you want me to live? And how God, I'm telling, how God wants us to live is in this principle called rest. This rhythm of rest. Now, I'm not just telling you something that is a nice sermon topic. I'm telling you what I've lived, okay? And and I'll tell you a little bit more about it later, but there's two main people that I heard this from that really was a game changer for me. One was Robert Morris. The other was Wayne Cordero, and I read a book by his called Leading on Empty. It was for pastors, and, and it literally saved, I think it saved my life. It definitely saved this church. This church wouldn't be here without this principle, okay? This is how weighty this is, And so uh, I want to hear, you just hear just a little bit from Pastor Robert Morris on the subject. Let's watch.
2: I've really had to learn this the hard way. Um, You know, I have a personal budget. The church has a budget. Um, I I know a lot about financial principles and things like that. But I never put time in a category like money. Uh, You have to budget money. You only have so much money. You have to budget time and energy the same way. You only have so much time. And by the way, you can make more money, but you can't make more time, and energy gets less and less the older you get. (laughs) Would you guys agree with that? Amen. (laughs) (laughs) So so what you can do in your 30s and your 40s, you can't do in your 50s and your 60s and however else it goes. So... So, uh, with money, if you said to me, you know, I'm a I'm, I'm missionary and I need $100 a month, uh, would you and Debbie support me in $100 a month? And I say, you know what? Yes, we can do that. Well, what if 10 people ask me? Okay, what's well, 1000 a month? Let me, th- well, if I make some changes and yes, I can do that. Okay, what if 100 people ask me? What if 1,000 people ask me? What if 10,000 people ask me? Now, I know those are absurd numbers. I'm just trying to give an example. Some point you run out of money. At some point, right? Okay. So when someone says, can you give me five minutes? It just seems so simple. Well, at some point you, you run out of minutes because what if 10 people ask you for five minutes? Or what if 100 people ask you? Or what if 1,000 people ask you? So I've had to get uh, not legalistic but principled about my time and energy budget just like I'm principled about my, my money budget. Uh, For instance, if you don't have savings, uh, washer and dryer breaks, so you put it on a credit card. Okay. Well, if you don't have savings in 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 your schedule, then something breaks at the church, and you put it on a credit card. You put your energy on a credit card. And there are a lot of you right now that are making the minimum payment every month. And you have a huge energy credit card budget bill that you can't even pay right now. So I'm very principled about one day off a week. I'm very principled about the Sabbath.
0: That's good stuff right there. So let me give you four things. I've, I've shared this before, but it's so key. Four things about rest that you need to understand about rest. Number one is this. Rest is a command. It, it's one of the 10 commandments, believe it or not. It, it's number four on the list. Rest is a command. Sabbath literally means no work or to cease from labor. okay. And, and the reason some of us stay away from this is because we say, well, I'm not going to be legalistic about it, just like Pastor Robert said. I'm not going to be legalistic about it. And it's not about legalism. But, but some people turned it into that. And so the way Sabbath works in, in Jewish culture is, is it starts at sundown and then it goes full until the next sundown. And so what some people start to do is get legalistic about it and like, well, I'm not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. And so they'd go to extremes in such a way as like, well, we're going to be eating at the table tomorrow, so we better go ahead and scoot the chairs out to exact positions that we want them so that we won't have to be caught doing any work on the Sabbath, and you think that sounds crazy, but that's what happens and And so people get legalistic about it in in Jesus' day, they were legalistic about it as well. and so they had something called a Sabbath's day journey. And so somebody was like, well, we're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. So I wonder how far you can travel without breaking a sweat. And so I'm sure they did tests or something about that. So somebody figured out you can walk this far without breaking a sweat. And I'm simplifying this, but you can walk this far without breaking a sweat. So that's going to be a Sabbath day journey. If you go further than that, then you're breaking the Sabbath. And so people started making all these rules and you could see it all today that, that there's all these, you can get legalistic about it. That's not what we're talking about. How many of you guys know you're not saved by keeping the Ten Commandments, right? We're saved by grace. And yet we have this thing where we, we benefit from keeping nine of the Ten Commandments. We, I mean, how many you guys know if you don't murder, that's a pretty good benefit in your life, right? If you don't have other gods before God, there's, you, you, you benefit for that. If, if you honor your parents, you benefit from that. And if you break those things, how do you guys know you do suffer consequences in life? Even though we're not saved by them, but you do suffer consequences if we have idols before God. You do suffer consequences if you steal. You do suffer consequences if you murder, even as a believer. And we believe that about all the other nine commandments. But for some reason, we don't seem to believe that we're going to suffer consequences, even as a believer, by breaking number four. And so I want you to understand, it's not about legalism, but there's a principle here that God gives us because he wants us to catch this. And some of us get hung up, well, that's just the law, that's just the Old Testament. Again, I want to remind you that God modeled this idea of the Sabbath and of rest way before the law was given. He modeled it way back at creation at the very beginning. This was built in before the law. This isn't a law thing. this isn't like an Old Testament thing. This is a principle that God put in from the very very beginning. Number two, we have to understand that rest is a gift. It's actually a gift from God. You know again, some people got legalistic about it and Jesus said this. He said this in Mark chapter 2 verse 27. He says, he said, "The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He said, "I, I didn't make you to be a slave to the Sabbath where you have to do this and you have to do this. but he said, The Sabbath was made for you. It's a gift for you. It's less about us keeping the Sabbath, and it's more about the Sabbath keeping us. Because if you don't keep the Sabbath and honor that principle, eventually you're going to run out of fuel you're going to run out of fuel i was looking at some stats a couple years ago americans who earn vacation days wasted a record setting 658 million of those vacation days in 2016 i believe 600 so you they're giving you a day for free they're going to pay you to to rest and how many of us decide not to do that right we decide not to use those things. About a third of workers took zero vacation days in the last year. And I'm not talking about filling it up with business. I'm talking about rest days, rejuvenation, like refilling. Um, so a lot of people took none of those. Uh, and it's like a gift they refused. Can I just tell you that the Sabbath is a gift that you're refusing from God if you're not honoring that? God is saying here's what God's saying. I'm giving you a day to rest and to refill for free. And, I, and God is saying, I promise you, if you take this, you're going to be better off had you, than had you not. And many of us are like, nah, that's fine, God. I can keep going. I love how Brady Boyd says that. He said, Sabbaths are for rest. Vacations are for recreation. Sabbaticals are for rejuvenation. And so we've got to get rest in the right place. Exodus chapter 31, verse 14 says, you shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. This is the way it was in the ancient times. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. How I many you guys are glad we don't live then, right? It says, whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Now, we may not have that in our culture today, but here's the bigger question. How many of us are dying faster than what we should be because we're not honoring this principle. How many of us are, are slowly being put to death on an accelerated rate than what we would be in the natural because we are dishonoring this principle of God? Wayne Mueller wrote this, If we do not allow for a rhythm of rest in our overly busy lives, illness becomes our Sabbath, our pneumonia our heart attack, our accidents create Sabbath force. Now, I don't want to get too deep into that, but there is a principle there that has some accuracy to it. The question is, do you have mysterious illnesses you can't figure out? You're like, I've been to the doctor, I can't figure it out. I'm telling you, many time, every time I've heard, there's stress involved, and stress comes as a result of no rest. You say, this is a very practical message today, Sean. No, this is a very spiritual message. Because if you don't have fuel in the tank, when God comes calling, you'll miss the opportunity. And again, I'm not telling you something that I have not lived. Because I, I lived this out. I hit the wall. I mean, I hit the wall where I was just out of energy. I was exhausted. I wanted to quit. I told God, I'm, I'm quitting. This is all over. I'm done. And what I would do, I love to work as hard as anybody, so I love to work, and I work hard, and I love what I do here, but I've always loved that. I've always had a drive, and energy, a work ethic, and I would work and work and work and work and work because I didn't want to be seen as lazy. I didn't want to see as I didn't have strong work ethic, and so I would work and work and work until I would get sick, and then I'd be down for a few days where I couldn't do anything. Then I'd work and work and work, and then I'd get sick, and I'd be down for a few days. This was my pattern. Until one day, I was like, I hit the wall, and I was ready to just quit everything. And I was done. I was like, God, I'm done. I'm I'm done. And God leaned into me and He was just like, Sean, you're just tired. I'm like, that that's that's simple. You're just tired. You do not realize how hard you've been running for how long you've been running. And eventually, unaccumul- if you don't take Sabbaths, they accumulate. And then they come due. And so this was my life. And so I decided, God, I'm gonna do this your way or no way. And too many of us, here's the problem too many of us have more ambition than we have obedience. We've got a lot of ambition. I'm gonna accomplish all this stuff in my life. I'm gonna accomplish all this stuff for you, God. I'm gonna do all these things that, that are on my heart and all these dreams. And we have a lot of ambition, but we don't plug in obedience with ambition. And God's got this principle in place for us that if you'll be obedient in this area, there's a hunger that you can have. There's a drive that you can have. But if you miss this one piece, one day you'll end up with a flat tire on the side of the road and won't be going anywhere. And you cannot accomplish God's will apart from God's way. Then this is quieter than it was last night. I don't know. They're just tired or something. I, and you guys are tired this morning. I don't know. You're like, I wish I would have come to second service, you know? But this is true. Rest is a gift from God. Rest is a gift. So in Jewish tradition, what they would do on Sabbath, as a part of Sabbath, here's what they would do. They would take a goblet or some sort of fancy cup, and the patriarch or the father would gather everyone around, and he would start to pour wine in this cup, and it would start to fill up. And as everyone was gathered around, he'd begin to recite a blessing as it was filling up. And so it would start to fill up and fill up and get full, and he'd keep pouring, and it would start to overflow. And he would keep pouring as he was reciting this blessing. And it was a picture of what God is doing on the Sabbath. See, he, he's saying this is an overflowing that's going to happen. Now, some of you are in this place right now, and if you're just being honest, you're on a quarter tank, right? I mean, spiritually, emotionally, physically, however you want to measure it. Some of you guys are on a half tank. And you're like, I know God wants me to be full, but I feel like I've got a half tank, but I've got so much on my plate. I've got to just, you know, surely God will excuse this. God understands this. And I tell you, God does not want you to be full. God does not want you to be full. God did not design you to be full. He designed you to be overflowing. And when we run so hard, we're thinking, oh, I'm at three three quarters of the tank. That's good enough. Half tank, that's good enough. I still got fuel in the tank. Some of us get to this point, maybe once a year, where we get full. God does not design you to be full. He designed you to overflow so that when you're rested and you're refreshed, whenever you come in contact with other people in your life, and, and by the way, you're gonna come in contact with people you normally don't this season. It's not party rhythm. You need to be overflowing for the opportunities that God places in your life. How many of you guys know you're gonna need the fruit of the Spirit, right? I mean, you know you're gonna need that. Because rest is a gift. All right, number three, this is important. Rest. Has to be guarded. You will not have rest if you don't guard rest. Why? Why does rest have to be guarded? Because rest is opposed. Let me tell you who rest is opposed most by you. Me. I was the biggest opposition to my rest when I was in that season. Because I didn't want to look. I, because I many you guys know whenever you go up to somebody, you say, Well, how was your week? You know, I was busy. Oh, I was busy, I was really busy. Well, how, what were you doing? I was busy, too. I was really busy. <laughs> well, why do we say that? Why do we say, I'm busy? You know, Cause I didn't want to look lazy. I didn't want to look unimportant. Because busyness makes us, if you're busy, you must be important. If you're busy, so rest is opposed because we don't want to feel unimportant, We want to feel needed. We want to feel like we have purpose. And God designed us that way, but you're not going to get there by by bypassing God's way. So what are you? Busy. I'm really busy. Well, you must be important. Well, I'm busier, so you must be. And I love how Nehemiah, this story, I love the book of Nehemiah, but Nehemiah, he's building up the walls. He's building back Jerusalem. He's doing all this stuff. He gets it all put together, and they'd lost all the ways of God, but they'd restored them all. Not too long into it, some of the people had already fallen back into their own ways. And some people were going back to working on the Sabbath and to avoiding God's principles. And, well, we'll do it our way instead of God's ways. And Nehemiah starts, he, he threatens them, okay? He threatens them. He's, he's getting ready to mess them up, okay? He's getting ready to, to what you can see it here in Scripture. It says it subtly, but I want you to understand what he's really saying here. In, ver, in chapter 13, verse 20 and 21, it says, Then the merchants and the sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice... But I warned them, this is Nehemiah, but I warned them and I said, why do you lodge outside the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. You know what he's saying right there? <laughs> he's, saying, he's literally saying, I will lay hands on you. And it goes on and it says, from that, day, from that time, they did not come on the Sabbath anymore, right? <laughs> he was guarding the Sabbath. He was guarding rest. Rest has to be guarded. You realize on the inside of each and every person, is something called a yes. You know, your yes wants to, say it, it wants to agree with, you know, somebody comes up to you just like that video, that Christmas chaos video, like, well, will you come to this party? Yes. Well, well can you do this thing? It's really important. It's helping, you know, uh, the, the poor or even a good thing. Yes. Okay. Well, will you, you do this for me? Like, yes. And so there's a yes on the inside of us that wants to be liked by people, that wants to help people, that wants to honor God that wants to be busy and look important, there's a yes on the inside of us that's just waiting to be activated. And if you are going to guard rest, you're going to have to tell your yes, no. You're going to have to get really good at saying no to the yes that's on the inside of you. You're going to have to get really good at listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit to determine what place to put your yes. Because there's a yes that wants to say yes to everything, because we need to be needed, we like to be liked, we want to be busy. We want to be effective. And even out of a good desire, we want to be honoring God. But just like Pastor Robert Morris said, there's only so many yeses you have available. And, and I'm telling you, one of your yeses needs to be rest. If you don't have a yes for rest, you're doing God's work in a violation of God's way. I know this is pretty strong today. I say this again because I'm not preaching something I haven't lived. I, I'm telling you this, my life was there's a before and after version of Sean. And it, it it comes from this topic. There's a before and after, and it's that important. Your calendar is not so much about what you want to get done as it is a reflection of who you want to become. If I look at your calendar, it's not about what you want to get done. That calendar is painting a picture of who you want to become. And, and so many of us, we think, let me just say it this way. There's, I didn't say this last night, but there's, I've just thought about this a lot. There's really like two camps of like, I, I really need to sacrifice if I'm going to follow God, and it's got to be hard or it's not God. <laughs> like, if I say yes, God's going to call me to move to Africa and live in a hut or something. I mean, that's like the classic thing. Like, it's going to be hard. Then there's this other camp that's like, "Well, I'm just going to live in the blessing and the provision of God and just everything's going following God's going to be awesome." And it, and if you get in one ditch or the other, you're in a ditch. The truth is there's a tension between those two. The truth is yes, there is sacrifice. The truth is yes, there is blessing. The truth is you're going to live in both. But but here's the thing. Too many of us I, I love this old rabbinic saying that says that one day God will hold us accountable for the things he created for us to enjoy but we refuse not to. There's a place of rest that God has for us that he wants us to enjoy him. He wants us to enjoy his creation. He wants us to enjoy relationships. That's part of what fills our tank. But you have to schedule rest. Many of us in our society today, if it doesn't make it on my calendar, it doesn't make it. So you know what I've done many times? I will schedule rest. I will schedule family. I will schedule Sabbath. Sabbath. It's on my calendar. Somebody asks me what I'm doing. I'm saying, I'm busy. What are you busy doing? Nothing, but I'm busy. I have a Sabbath, and for me, I work all weekend. You don't realize that, but I I work all weekend. Well, you just work one day a week. You're a pastor. That's the running thing. No, that's not true. So my Sabbath, my day of rest is on Friday. And on Friday, I take that, and I spend it doing things that fill my bucket, things that, get refreshed, that I refresh, I spend time with family, I spend time in, in Scripture, I spend time walking uh, outside in the, in the land or do whatever. I'll do things, we'll work in the garden sometimes if that fills our bucket, right? So we do things that get us refreshed. But you have to schedule nothing. If you don't schedule off time, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Rest has to be guarded. All right. Now, the last thing is this, rest takes faith. Rest takes faith. Exodus chapter 16, verse 29 and 30. See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you inside his place and, and let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. What was going on? Well, they were in a season when the Israelites were in the wilderness. God was supernaturally providing manna from heaven. It's like bread from heaven. So they would walk out in the morning. They didn't have food. They were in the wilderness. So God supernaturally put this supernatural food for them. So they would take that, they would eat it. And one day, some of them decided, well, maybe there's not going to be any bread tomorrow. We better gather some up so we'll have enough for tomorrow. So they gathered some up and they stored extra for the next day. Well, when they woke up the next day, there were worms in it, it is rotten. And God was telling them, no, you need to, I'm providing for you this day. You need to trust and have faith that tomorrow I'll provide again. But on the sixth day, God gave them twice as much. Because what he said is, I want you to know that you don't need to go out and gather on the seventh day. I'm going to provide for you two times the amount today. By faith, you've got to store it. By faith, you've got to understand that there's going to be enough. And so they would store it up. And sure enough, they'd wake up in the morning. There was no worms in it. It was perfectly fine. And so they ate it on the seventh day. What was God saying? God was saying this. I'm not going to provide manna on the seventh day. Some of us assume that every day is equal. You know, for me, you know what that means? Because I, 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 what I do around here with the church and all, all that type of stuff, you know what that means for me? That, that means that God's, God's not going to provide sermons for me on the seventh day. God's not going to provide for me opportunities to go visit people in the hospital on the seventh day. Are there people that need it? Are there sermons that need it? Yeah, there's all that stuff. But for me, that's, God's not, go, that's not my time. God's not going to provide, God's not going to bless that time if I use it in that way. That's the principle I see in scripture. That's the principle I've decided to live my life by and I can tell you years and years later now, I, I'm in a rhythm of rest. Because it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a marathon, not a sprint. But it takes faith to do that. It takes faith to trust God in that way. And I want us to hear this. We're coming to the close. I want to have the worship team come back up at this time. But this may be one of the most important things that I say all day. And you've got to catch this. Sometimes doing less requires more faith. Let me say it again. Sometimes doing less requires more faith. The same in the area of tithing. Do you realize when you tithe, you, you, got, you give 10% to the house of God. And you're, what we're doing is we're trusting the principle of God that 90% of my money with God's blessing on it is going to go further and have more purpose than 100% without. So what are we doing with the Sabbath? We're saying... that six days with God's blessing on it in work is gonna go further than seven days without. And and so many of us just say, no, I don't believe that principle. I'm just gonna do it on my own. And and here's what I want you to understand. Not being able to rest is not a busyness issue because everyone's busy. Not being able to rest is not a busyness issue. It's a pride issue. It's saying, I believe that I'm, more, that I'm needed here more than I actually am. And one of the most practical, rest is a very practical way to proclaim, Jesus, you are Lord and I'm not. Rest is a very practical way to say, Jesus, I trust that you can run this world without me for one day. Rest is a very practical way for me to say, Jesus, you can run, I trust you'll run my world for me without me one day a week if I honor your principle. Rest is a very practical way to proclaim Jesus is Lord, but it takes faith. Some of you might be saying, well, that must be nice, Sean. You could just pick a day, and that's how it works for you. Let me tell you, that's not how it worked, but I had to sacrifice. Back when we had just like 100 people coming to the church, that's when I made this decision. Because I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, well, if there's 100 people coming to the church now, and I'm this busy, and I'm this stressed, well, what will I do when there's 800 people? Can I tell you now that there's 800 people coming to the church? I'm more rested now than I was when we had 100 because of this principle of rest because God wants us here for the long haul. But it takes faith. And you might be saying, well, that must be nice. I don't have that luxury. I didn't have it either, but I did it anyway. And you say, well, I'm a single parent and I'm working two jobs. That must be nice. I can't take a day. Well, I would say this, then what can you do? Can you give God an afternoon and say, God, I'm going to refill my bucket this afternoon and trust that you can run this afternoon without me? That you can, that I can just enjoy your presence this afternoon? Well, I can't do an afternoon. Well, can you can you give an hour? Can you say, God, I'll give you an hour? Because that's what I've got. What, what I'm saying is this: we have to give God something to work with so that He can multiply it. It's like the story of Elijah and the widow, and and, and she ran out of oil and and The word was, if you gather a bunch of containers, trust that God will fill them with oil. So she went out to her neighbors. She gathered all these vessels. And as many vessels as she gathered, the oil filled up, right? You remember that story? What happened when she ran out of vessels? The oil stopped. The oil stopped. So the principle was this. She gave God something to work with to multiply. You have to give God something to work with. So I I don't have a day. Well, give an afternoon. I don't have an afternoon. Start somewhere by faith. And watch what God will multiply. Would you guys stand up with me? One last scripture. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Real rest comes from Jesus but we have to be willing to do it the Jesus way. And I really felt like this was, and I've already heard from last night, very right now things for people, especially as we're heading into the next few weeks. Especially as we're heading into the next few weeks, I believe there are important things that God wants to speak to you, that God wants to use you in over the next few weeks, to use our church in. But so many of us will miss it if we have no margin. The Bible talks about Mary when Jesus came that you remember this, Mary Mary pondered all these things and treasured them up in her heart. You can't ponder if you don't have space. You can't ponder if you don't slow down. The average human walks about three miles per hour. Jesus walked everywhere that he went. We drive fast everywhere we go. We run fast. We fly fast. We go everywhere. Some of us in this season need to slow down to catch up with Jesus. Because Jesus is walking at this pace. And it's okay in our culture to be countercultural and to say, I'm gonna walk with Jesus. Can I tell you, I'm, I'm just telling you, this, this is one of the best decisions I made for my marriage. This is one of the best decisions I made for my kids. This is one of the best decisions I made for this church was to take a day of rest. It's the most spiritual thing I could have done in that season, and I've kept that rhythm ever since. My prayer for you is that you'd be set free in this area. So let me pray over you right now. God, we thank you that rest is found in you. And I pray for hope to rise up in those that are exhausted and those that are tired and those that are weary. That the truth is those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Lord, we make a decision today to rest in you, to wait on you, to find our strength in you, to let you fill us up to the overflow so that we can go out and we can run hard and we can run and not grow weary. We can walk and not faint. We can fulfill our purpose. Lord, fill us up with your spirit. Fill us up with the fruits of the spirit. Fill us up with with rest. Fill us up with with your vision. Fill us up. We we come aside just like Moses did to see the, the bush that was on fire, to hear the word of the Lord. We come aside to be filled up with oil. Lord, I pray that would be the spark that would be ignited today in people's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship one more time.